Wow, it is so good to see the house of the Lord is filled with excited, cheerful people on your fourth or fifth cup of coffee. Maybe that's just me. All right. Um, Pastor Alex asked me to take the service this morning, so I just extend my honor and my gratitude to them. I love you guys so much, and I really do take it as an honor and a privilege every time you give me the opportunity to speak. And if each and every one of you would do me a really big favor and just receive me as, the son, uh, as a son in the house, as an extension of his ministry rather than a replacement in his absence, that is the greatest honor of a spiritual son, and I would be very, very grateful to each and every one of you. Um, this morning, I, I want to talk for a little bit about foundations, and um, we're just going to jump right into it. I hope that's okay. Uh, I shared with first service, I, I have a tendency to jump and shout, and, you know, I, I enjoy preaching. <laughs> I, <laughs> but what God gave me this week is not preaching. <laughs> It's more of a teaching. So it's a little outside of my comfort zone, but yet at the same time, I believe God's going to do something in that, and I hope that's okay. So just if you can stay with me, I'd really, really appreciate it. But outside of doing what we do or what you guys see on a, on a weekend here at the church, I do spend a lot of time working with my hands. Many of you know that if you've talked to me for any length of time or seen me around here at the church or even at home or whatever, I, I do a lot of work with my hands. I, I don't thoroughly 100% enjoy sitting behind a computer, you know, and doing what they would call desk work. This is just not my forte. I like working with my hands. I like getting my hands in it. Give me a hammer. Give me a sawzall. Give me something that I can break. <laughs> yeah. It's up my alley. So with that being said, I've done a fair amount of construction, and I've, I've built a lot of things and one thing that I have learned in the process of building stuff is that regardless of what you build, the initial foundation is the most important and crucial step in building anything. So my father, before he got into lawn care, was a master cabinet maker. So as a young boy, I spent some time learning the trade of building cabinetry. Cabinetry is pretty difficult in a sense of a lot of your joints and a lot of the miters, there's a very low tolerance for that, that your joinery has to be very tight. If you give somebody a cabinet and all the 45s are all opened up and crooked and you think you're just going to, you know, caulk and paint makes a carpenter what he ain't, it's not going to fly with cabinetry. Is that all right? You'd be very upset if you paid for custom cabinets and all the joinery was opened up. Are you with me? But a crucial step in building a cabinet or building something correctly was to always have a level and a true surface. Because even if the whatever you were building wasn't staying on the surface, when it was being constructed, the fact that the surface was level and true helped make the product level and true. <laughs> it's okay, we're gonna get there, is that all right? In building a house, I've never personally built my own house from scratch, but I have helped people who have built a house from scratch. And I have helped people who have built things from the beginning phases, right from the very, like, from the ground level, if you will. And just buying the property is not enough. You can have the property and say, I'm going to start building my house and purchase the land, but there's a whole phase of things that takes place long before you put the first two by four down. 
long before you put the first brick down. There is a fixed relationship between a foundation and the height and weight of a building. I'm speaking naturally now. We'll switch it over to spiritual in just a minute. Is everybody okay so far? So depending on how strong or how deep or how well-built the foundation is, there's a direct correlation and a direct fixed relationship with how tall or how heavy the building that is erected upon such foundation. Everybody with me so far? So in other words, a strong foundation, you can have a tall or a large building. A weak foundation, guess what? You get a weak building. Direct correlation. If you... We live in Florida. We have the good old-fashioned Florida sugar sand. And if I build this really, really nice house and I don't put the time in to lay a good and deep foundation, I can build something really beautiful. (laughs) On the outside, it looks right. On the outside, it feels right. You can walk up to it and tour the home and want to purchase the home because everything looks good. But when the foundation was wrong, it doesn't take long, a year into it, six months into it, five years into it, all of a sudden the doors are out of square, none of them open correctly, the windows are going crazy, the drywall's beginning to crack. And before you know it, the house that you may have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to build and resources and time to create this beautiful construction, now all of a sudden is completely useless because you wasted it on a poor foundation. As it is in the natural, so let it be in the spirit. As believers, we should be building. Okay, stay with me. I'm not saying you need to go out and, you know, build the next Walmart Supercenter. Stay with me. I'm spiritually speaking now. I'm not talking about building specifically buildings. I'm using that as the, if you will, the modern day parable to correlate what we're talking about in the natural and it applies to each and every one of us as a believer. I should be building every single day. I refuse to stay in the same place that I was yesterday. I don't want when I'm 75 or 85, I said this in first service, I'm going to prophesy it over myself. I'm going to be 95 preaching the fire of the Lord. Listen, you have no idea how encouraging it was for me. Our pastor, our senior pastor is still a young man. Somebody say amen. But watching his pastor minister, and I'm not even exactly sure how old Pastor Harold is, and no disrespect meaning toward him in any way, shape, or form, but it encouraged me. And I watched him preach with fire under the unction of the Holy Ghost. And I watched and stood in amazement and said, Lord, let that be me too in Jesus' name. I want to be 95. Just, I mean, give me a cane and a walker. I still want to be preaching fire. But I say that to say this. At 95, I had better not be in the same place spiritually that I am right now at 31. We should be growing. The poor young people, they got, you know, this Friday night, I I ministered a word to them at youth on on developing their character. (laughs) Sorry, something went through me as I said that. And we really went after it. You know, and talking about spiritual maturity. And I want, yes, 13 and 14 year olds to become spiritually mature. 
I do, and I believe that they can because the same Holy Ghost that lives in me lives in them. And I can teach them on the things of the anointing, but they had better have the maturity to carry the anointing that's upon their lives, or otherwise they'll blow up and they'll blow out, and that's not very good anyways. Are you with me? But we went after this whole thing of spiritual maturity and becoming spiritually mature, and a large part of that is, you know, spiritually immature people get offended really easy. (laughs) They're easily influenced. They get upset whenever they're told to be accountable. (laughs) When they get pressed, everything else comes out of them except for Jesus. This is the characteristics of somebody who's spiritually immature. But I believe we're talking to a generation that's stepping into a lifestyle of being spiritually mature and being developed and growing. And we should be growing as believers. The word says to go, therefore, and make disciples. As a disciple, I don't want to be a baby Christian anymore. And a part of that is growing. But if we don't grow and build on the right foundation, we've already started on the wrong foot. So let's get into it this morning. Is everybody okay? You know, I said to first service, I said... You know, in the north, I, w- I was going to, I have some family that lives up there, and every house up north has something called footers. And they also have these things called basements. And I was going to describe about how there's like this whole building and this whole like infrastructure under a building. And although you may only see at the surface level of what's been erected, but uh, underneath the surface level of what you see, there's a whole foundation that's been laid. And I realize in Florida that probably doesn't make sense because if you build a a, a basement in Florida, we actually call that a swimming pool. (laughs) But can you just go with me on it? Is that okay? Listen, we do some weird things in Florida. Our buildings are built above, not below. <laughs> we put them on legs. <laughs> if you've ever been down to the Keys, you'll know what I'm talking about. Every house is on stilts, or at least the ones that are still standing. <laughs> Ooh, we'll get into it in a little bit. Because every house is going to have to come against a storm. And the dependency on whether your house stands or not is whether or not you built on the right foundation. Because the reality of it is this. Every house, regardless whether it's hay, wood, gold, or diamonds, every single house is subject to the same storm. But whether or not you are shaken is based upon the foundation that you build thus said house. Is anybody with me this morning? So we need to grow. We need to build our faith. Jude 20 says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, on your most holy faith, building yourselves up. We should be building ourselves up on our most holy faith. Doing what? Praying in the spirit. Now, I really want to just do this justice and we just go to town on this and drive this one home. But our pastor's been doing a really good job on teaching on prayer, so we're just going to leave it at that, and I'm just going to trust that you've been to the series on prayer, and you're with me. Amen? Amen? But we need to be building ourselves up. We need to be growing. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 and 10 says, For we are fellow workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building, according to the grace which was given to me as a wise master builder. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I want to be a wise master builder. I want to build on the right foundation. 
First Peter 2 and 6 says, Therefore it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Peter is busy quoting something out of Isaiah 28 and 16 that says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. A sure cornerstone. We have to build on the right foundation. Unbelievers who don't know God or don't have a relationship with God or have never been confronted with the gospel in any way, shape, or form, they can build a foundation on certain things. They can build a foundation on riches or finances. They can build a foundation or grow a whole company based off of trust or loyalty or whatever their creed is. But there is only by one person in which we as believers should build our foundation upon. Ephesians 2 and 22 says, In whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God, uh-oh, in the Spirit. Oh, we'll leave it. Okay, Acts 2 and 32 says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the world, uh, into the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Again, no creed, no church, no denomination, no other thing, tradition, religion, you name it, nothing that you build upon will be lasting and eternal like Jesus. You can try but I'm sorry, you will fail. If you want to be a success, let me just prophesy this to you now. If you want to be a success in your Christian walk as a believer, build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ and him, him crucified. You can take that to the bank every single time. If you want to be a success, that must be our foundation. Matthew 16 says this, And when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of God, uh, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So he said to them, But who do you say that I am? So Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, this is a portion of Scripture that, at least at Oceans Unite, is a very well-taught portion of Scripture. But I want to bring one thing out to you. I have heard of other doctrines and other people that will try to claim that Peter is the rock in which we are supposed to build our faith on. That, that, that is what we should build our, our Christian beliefs on. And, and I don't want to take away from some of the good characteristics of Peter because Peter was loyal. I mean, he cut the man's ear off without even, I mean, he never even got the charge. He just said, boss, I'm going to protect you. <laughs> Loyalty is a good thing. But how many of you know that a man will always fail? We are not perfect. I, I hate to break somebody's heart, but I make mistakes every single day. I have not attained perfection. I am not in my glorified body. 
I am most certainly not Jesus. But there's a big difference between saying, well, you know, I'll never attain perfection, so I'm just gonna live the way that I want and grace covers me and I just carry on living the same way. And also in the same breath, there's another way of saying, well, you know what? I'm never gonna attain perfection, but God, I love you so much. And I'm so thankful for the price that you paid that because of that love, it will cause a response from me to live every single day, to push closer and closer to perfection. Yeah, no, I'm not necessarily where I want to be, but I'm certainly not where I was. But he says, Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, what rock? You were the Christ, the son of the living God. You were the Christ, the son of the living God. In that moment, God gave Peter a revelation of who he was. This is the foundation in which we are supposed to build everything in our Christian life is the revelation that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. When that revelation comes to you, it will cause a chain of reactions in your life. But he says, you are Peter. Now, again, excuse me, I'm from South Florida, America, so my Greek isn't very good. But the word Peter there is the Greek word Petros, and it speaks of a small pebble, a stone, a small rock. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, it makes a little more sense. You are a small stone. You're a small rock. You're a pebble. But on this rock, that word is the word Petra which is the word for capstone or a large sheet of thick, deep bedrock. It's on that stone. It's on that rock. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's on that foundation that when you build on that foundation, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against you. And that's something you can take to the bank. But we have to build on the correct foundation. Because if we build our whole Christian walk on trying to please a man or trying to please a denomination or trying to please a religion or trying to please a tradition or trying to follow certain things, you will end up in dismay. But when you lay your whole foundation is laid on Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, all of a sudden everything changes. Now when those disappointments come, you will not be shaken. Do not take, please do not misunderstand me. I'm not talking about aligning yourself with a local church. Very important. Getting plugged into a local church, aligning yourself with the DNA of a local church. Very, very important. Don't take what I'm saying and go rogue with it now. Amen. I get one, just one amen. I'm not saying now, you know, Jesus Christ is my foundation, so I don't need to submit to anybody or anything, but don't, don't misunderstand me. That is not what I'm saying at all. But we build upon the rock of our salvation, the foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 62, this is David. He says, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. 
They delight in lies and they bless with their mouth, but they inwardly, they curse inwardly. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and I shall not be moved. In, my, in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. I put my trust in him. Psalm 62, it records the word rock three different times, followed by salvation four different times, only to be emphasized by the word only. My salvation is only in the rock of my salvation, who is Christ Jesus. I know this is real basic, but it's so important. It's so important. We don't want to build something that blows up and blows out. Whether that be a church, a business, a marriage. Everything in my life shifted when I got saved. Where, where does all of this start? It starts at conversion. See, when you get confronted with the gospel, and I'm using the word confronted specifically, and I can only speak from experience. In my experience, when I got confronted with the gospel, I had a choice to recognize that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. When that revelation was made real to me, I had a choice. Everybody say a choice. I had a choice to receive that as truth within my heart. Once I received that truth within my heart, it says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you will be saved. Immediately when I was confronted with the gospel, there were things in my life that Pastor Alex did not have to beat out of me with the word. He didn't have to come at me with the Bible and say, listen, my boy, you need to stop using that foul language. <laughs> he didn't have to come to me and go, <laughs> you need to stop drinking. And I looked in the scriptures and found the ones that said I could drink. But when you're confronted with the love of Jesus, there's something in you that should shift. Because when I was confronted with the reality of who he is, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. Every idol in my life, money, fame, my hobbies, everything that I thought was so much greater, all of a sudden I laid those things down and I said, Jesus, I put you at the pinnacle of my life. And when he becomes the pinnacle of your life, everything else just melts away and nobody has to force you to do it. You do it because you love him. You didn't have to tell me to stop cursing. I just did it naturally. I had some days where I slipped up in the early, in the early beginning phases. You know, freshly saved, fresh haircut on the block. I'd get angry and the devil would come at me and something would slip, but immediately I'd feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Ooh, not good. Sorry, Lord. I'll do better next time. Not, well, there's grace. Mm -hmm. 
My relationship with my, at that time, fiance, now beautiful bride. What are we going, 10 years this year? 10 years, amen. Amen. We're decaders. How about that? But at that time, the relationship with my fiance completely shifted. Things that I know we shouldn't have been doing, we stopped. Is, that, is this okay? I know it's a little personal. Is that all right? Can I, can, can I be real with them, baby? Things that I knew that we shouldn't have been doing when we were dating. Things that I knew that we shouldn't have been do, doing while we were engaged. When I got confronted with the gospel, I didn't have somebody beat me over the head and say, listen, you two should stop sleeping together. We came to an agreement and said, babe, until we get married, that's it. We're going to stay clean until we get married. Come on, somebody. Nobody had to beat me over the head with that. I didn't have to get a hard word from the preacher. That was a relationship with Jesus. I made him the Lord of my life. We cleaned up our household and started our marriage on the right foot. And I'm being vulnerable before you because we made mistakes. I, I, is this all right? It's, oh, I hope I'm not sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> I begin to treat her differently. Oh, she became the queen of my household and I never had to question whether I was the king or not. She was a precious gem and I treated her as such. All because I was confronted with the gospel. Now all of a sudden I'm building on a solid foundation. Now things are getting in order. I've never had to question whether I was the high priest of my house or not. And it wasn't me beating my wife and trying to just beat her into subjection. It was her giving me that rightful authority as the household priest. As the man in my house, I'm the one who begins to pray. As the man in my house, I'm the one that begins to war over my family. And when my wife is going through a bad day, best you believe, devil, we are one. So you pick on her, you got to go through me. Come on. I, oh. oh, no. Matthew 7 and 24. Is everybody okay so far? It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. Say with me, wise man. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Again, I'll say this. Every house is subject to the same storm. What are you building? And what are you building it upon? Because the reality is whatever you build will be tested in the storm. We have building codes in Florida. Very specific building codes. Why? Because we're in the hurricane belt. You can't just replace a window with a sheet of plexiglass anymore. You might could have done that in the 40s or, or whenever, but nowadays they have to be rated windows. 
Why? Because they've been tested. We all go through the same tests. We all get, yes, your story may be slightly different to mine. And our storms may look on a surface level different. But the reality is, is as believers, as disciples, we all go through the same storms. Are you going to be able to stand? What are you building on? Well, the bigger question is, is are you even building? Again, when I'm 75, I don't want to sit and go, God, I don't know where the last 45 or 50 years went. I got saved and and I built a little bit in the beginning and I kind of got a couple of bricks laid, but you know, I stopped when it got time to hang the doors in the, in in the windows. I want to say, God, I built from the time I got saved to the time I met you on in glory. Here's the reality of it. In the natural, you have to buy a piece of land and then pay to get the foundation built, right? but somebody's already paid for your foundation. Oh, that's a good word. In the natural, when you buy a piece of land, you got to pay the excavators to come out and clear it, get rid of the junk. Oh, I'm about to preach. I didn't do this in first service, but I can feel it. See, in the natural, you got to get the excavators and the big machines to come in and rip the junk up that's in there, get it out of the way. And oftentimes when those excavators come in, they push it into a big file, a big uh, a, a pile. And guess what? They strike a match on it and do what? They set it ablaze. Oh, they burn the junk out of the property. And once the junk gets burnt out, then all of a sudden there's a foundation that gets laid right there. See, that's what Jesus does. He paid the ultimate price. You don't have to pay for the foundation. It's a free gift. The question this morning is what are you doing with the free gift that has been given to you? As believers, are we just sitting on our hands on a pile of dirt? Or are we saying, God, I'm going to do something with this free gift. I am so thankful, Lord, that I have a firm foundation and I want to build. Say with me, I want to build. I want to build. I didn't do that in first service. I don't know what you guys are doing. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. A wise man. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come and make our home with him. It comes down to application. The foundation's been given to you. You have the foundation Are you going to build on it or not? It comes down to a choice. I'm not telling you that everybody here is going to go and build a church and to build a skyscraper. And No, but as believers, we all have some building to do in our own lives. Take, Take this personally. I'm taking this word personally. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. That's that's it. The foundation's been given to you. Do you love him? If you love him, you'll keep his word. And everything else follows suit. 1 John 2 and 4 says, But he who says, I know him. Everybody say, I know him. Do you know Jesus? 
Oh, I can't be more serious when I say that. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Mm. And the truth is not in him. I'm not looking at anybody when I say that. I say that, I minister that word, and I look directly at myself. As a minister of the word, as a preacher, that hurts me more. I mean, that's like a knife right to the heart because I honestly believe I know him. Everything inside of me, I feel like I 100% know him. But do we always keep his word? Be honest with yourself this morning. I'm being honest with myself. Do we really follow his word like we should? Or do our own ambitions, do our own idols that we've erected in our lives get in the way of keeping him at the pinnacle of our life? We live in a day and an age where the church needs to be louder and more like Jesus than ever before. The enemy is coming about like a roaring lion trying to get as many people as he can. This is not a time for the body of Christ to be silent. You ultimately reflect what you serve. Is my reflection good? Don't answer that, please. You judge yourself. I'm judging myself. Mikey, is my reflection good? Because I want to reflect Jesus in everything that I do. Listen to me. I've come to a place because in the beginning, in the beginning, it was like, uh, can I give you one example and then we'll get on with the word. In, In the beginning, it was like, you know, something would happen and like you just had to like bite your tongue but you wouldn't always get that right, so something would just blurt out, and then afterwards you'd feel bad and you'd have to repent about it, right? I've got a point in my walk now where like, I feel like, and now please don't hold me to this level of accountability because I don't get this right 100% of the time. Sometimes my mouth precedes my brain. Not always a good thing. Most of the time it's not a good thing. The point I'm trying to get at is in the beginning, my mouth would always precede my brain. And I would say stuff, and then I would have to repent. Then as the years go by and as I begin to grow because I love him, things would begin to shift. And now all of a sudden, I've had a little bit more self-control. And there are times when I now can exercise self-control, and something happens, and I'm like, (laughs) and I bite my tongue. But here's the reality. And this is where God's still continuing to work with me. It's great that you can bite your tongue. And I heard this the other day. There was a situation and I I, I shut my mouth and I wanted so badly to say something. And I bit my tongue and I walked away and I said, no, Lord, I'm going to exercise self-control and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And I'm walking away and I'm going in my head. I'm screaming and jumping up and down with my little pitchfork and I'm like roaring mad in my head. And as I'm walking away, I felt the Holy Spirit so clearly tell me, you know what? I can hear that too, you know. then I realized in that moment, you know what? It's right. The devil can hear what comes out of my mouth and that'll give him power. But unfortunately, God not only hears what comes out of my mouth, but he also hears what I think in the intents of my heart. And that's really scary. So that means I will forever be growing. I will ever be building until I'm dead and gone. But it comes down to application. 
For he says, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, we know that we are in him. James 1, 21 through 25. And I love the book of James. The book of James is the do it book of the Bible. And I believe that we're, God is calling a do it generation to come up and come out. And I really, really believe that the do it generation is going to be the generation that ushers in the last wave before the coming of the Lord. It's my personal opinion. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers. Everybody say doers. But be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Deceiving yourselves, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues on in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The word of God likens the word of God to a mirror. I don't look in a mirror to see how beautiful I am. Have you seen this ugly mug? When I look in a mirror, I look in a mirror to find my imperfections before I come stand before thee. So I don't have cilantro in my teeth and three extra long hairs sticking out of my little bald forehead. I look in the mirror, uh, examine myself, make sure everything looks right and in order. If it's not, do a little shave, do a little turtle wax, and off we go to the service. I'm looking for the imperfections. The Word of God should be the same thing. When we open the Word of God, it should begin to reveal imperfections in our life. This is our mirror in which we can clean ourselves up with. But it comes, it comes to application. Because if I look in the mirror and I see I have three little hairs coming out of my forehead and cilantro in my teeth and go, eh, and turn and walk away from it, guess what? I still have it. I actually have to do something with the word that comes to me. We need to be a do-it generation that actually applies the word of God. This is how we build on the foundation. You've been given the foundation freely, but what are you doing with it? Okay, that was just the opening statement. Now let's get into it. I'm kidding. I'm at the end. Don't worry. I have four points for you and then we'll close. The first point is keeping God's word is a vital key that distinguishes a disciple of Christ from the rest of the world. Again, what are you reflecting? I've said this so many times, but you may be the only Bible somebody ever gets to read. What Bible are they reading? I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Keeping God's word is the ultimate test of a disciple's love for God and is the cause of God's favor on that disciple's life. You want to know how to get the blessings of God? You want to know how to get the, the, the favor of God upon your life? This is not a 10-point get-rich-quick scheme. It's real simple. Real simple. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto thee. And the beautiful thing about that is as you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he changes your perspective. So the things that you actually want begin to shift as well. And it all just begins to manifest. And before it was money and before it was fame, and now all of a sudden it's souls. Point number two. 
Point number three, Jesus will manifest himself through the word of God as we keep it and as we obey it. And the last one is the father and the son come into a disciple's life and establish their enduring home in him through God's word. Jesus gave us the free gift of the foundation. What are you doing with that foundation? What am I doing with it? This morning, it would be an absolute irresponsibility of me to minister a word like this and to not give somebody the opportunity to respond as you get confronted with the gospel. So if I could ask every head to bow and every eye to close. And this morning in this place, if you've come here and you say, Pastor, you, this word has, has hit me like a ton of bricks. This is, a, I mean, you've been preaching right to me. I've never heard about this Jesus that you talk about. I've never heard about this love that you talk about and this price that was paid for me. And I, I need to make a decision today to give my life to him and get right with him. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you and I want to ask you to respond. Would you put your hand up for me so that we can include you in this prayer? I see that hand back there. Thank you. God bless you. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike, I've been, I've been a believer for a really long time. I've, I've, I've given my life to Christ a long time ago, but unfortunately I've been sitting on my hands with my salvation. Jesus gave me this foundation and I haven't been doing anything with it. And this morning I, I need to make a decision to do something with the salvation, this free gift, this precious gift that God has given me. If that's you and you decide this morning you want to make it a change, you want to make a decision, put your hand up and we want to pray for you as well. I see those hands going up. I see those hand, hands going up all over. God bless you. God bless you. If I could ask you so kindly, all of you that just raise your hand. Stand to your feet with for me if you would. Stand to your feet and come on down here to the front. We want to pray for you. Come on, it's a new day. Come on down to the front. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Leaders, if I could get some leaders to come stand up behind them. Praise God. You're making a decision today. Never the same. Never the same. Come on, church. This is the greatest miracle we are experiencing right now. I'll never forget the day that this happened for me and my whole life changed. I have never been the same since. Look at me, I'm preaching now. I was just an old redneck from Okeechobee. If I could get some leaders to come stand up behind them, please. This morning, church, as we pray, if all of you could pray this prayer with me. It's a new day. Come on, let's pray this together. Everybody pray with me. Say, Father, this morning... I recognize I've made some mistakes. Father, I've sinned against you and your word. I repent, Lord. And this morning, God, I ask that you would write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come and fill me now in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Come on, church. Now let's lift our hands in a shout of praise. Amen. It's a new day. It's a new day. If you'll turn around, there's a leader behind you. They just want to pray with you. There's a pastor over there. He's going to lead you out. We want to meet with you and pray with you. It is a new day. Never the same. Never the same. Amen. If you guys want to follow him out and uh, they want to pray with you quickly, Come on, church.
never the same. That's what it's all about. I'm so thankful to Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, again, this word was just as much for me as it was for every single person in this room. On a daily basis, I want to be confronted with, God, how can I do more for you? You've done so much for me. What can I do for you? I want to be a blessing to you. I want to be an asset to your kingdom. And that's my prayer this morning for each and every one of us. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you for every person. Lord, I pray that in these days that lie ahead, Father, that we would keep your word at the forefront of our minds. Jesus, that we would put you at the pinnacle of our lives. That every decision that we make, we would make it based off of you in every area, in every circumstance, and that you would go with us every single day. Increase us in wisdom, God. And I thank you, Lord, for the great miracle that we have seen today. Father, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. Amen.